This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast once again, and it is I, Dr. Fuck, with. Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley from Minnesota, and this week. We ain't got no time to news. Well, all right, now it's time to review 1993's Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. And uh, Ian, we got him back. That's right, by popular demand. Sorry, popular demand because of me and Ian. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Unpopular demand by the fans. (laughs) The fans don't like him, but this time, Elise's going to be 100 times better. The fans are going to love him. Not as much as Bill Wanger, you and I, but eh, he'll do better. Uh, I personally don't care what anybody thinks. I think he rules, and let him introduce himself. Who do we have on the show this week? I am Lee Gerstman, and I am happy that I don't have to put a gun to your head this time. Why? Because <laughs> we haven't said Frank yet? <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, I'm low my shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee. So, Lee, before we get into the review, I- I'm dying to know, are you a fan of Anthrax? Okay, here is something that might sound a little weird, but... Anthrax is one of the groups that are like one of my favorites of the groups that I never really listened to. That sounds really strange, but let me explain. When I was like after high school, I went to a store. It was called Used Record Shop, and then it became Maximum Music, and they had an aisle which was just heavy metal groups. And then I would um, get albums by um, labels like Combat and Metal Blade and one of the albums that they would advertise is Anthrax and I saw their covers and I thought wow these guys look pretty good <coughs> like like I saw Fistful of Metal and stuff and then so I was always kind of into them even though I never really heard them so I heard of them ever since a little bit past high school but I never really heard much of them but yeah I was a fan of what they were about even though I really wasn't listening to them okay so okay uh, what sound of white noise is um, is something that you were not aware of till we told you we were gonna review it right um, that's actually true and then when I looked it up, and then I saw that John Bush was in it from Armored Saint. Well, Armored Saint, they were a group that I really love. And so I was kind of excited to find out that he, he was on it. Awesome. Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Armored Saint. I hope you live through this episode, by the way. Oh, thank you. Oh my yeah. god, I just, when you went, mm, I about fucking choked on my fucking finger. 
Yeah, Ian like Ian likes people that are dying. <laughs> he likes he likes a little no, 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 There's no prayer for the dying. There but... you go. All right, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're so glad you and your iron lug could join us today, Lee. Yeah, thanks, Lee. Come on. Thanks. Uh, just uh, thank you. Uh. <laughs> All right, uh, Ian. Uh, you and I have already talked about how we discovered anthrax and so on, because we've done an episode already. So let's just talk about you know the first time you heard sound of white noise. Well, I would say before we even get into that. When we have Lee Gerson on the show, there's a little something we gotta do. A game we gotta play. Ralph, you are the master of editing. When we do this, I wanna hear great theme music for this because when we have Lee, he's such a popular person, he has his own Wikipedia page. But as we know, Wikipedia can be very misleading. So now we have to play Lee Gertzman, Wikipedia Factor Fiction. All right, you ready for, you ready for this, Lee? Oh, I think he died. Uh, I will get volatile if you ask the wrong questions. <laughs> okay, well, hey. don't get mad at us. It's a Wikipedia thing. Lee. I'll get mad at whoever the fuck I want to get mad at. All right, bitch. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I'll, I'll be good. Okay, well... Your Wikipedia page is very popular. It gets updated all the time, but there's a lot of crazy stuff on there, and uh, I picked out three of the craziest ones I could find, and, and you need to let me know if it's fact or fiction, Lee. And the first one I found very disturbing. It said that you were at the Dakota building in 1980 when John Lennon got shot, and you tried you tried to beat... Uh, Oh, Hinkley, Hinkley, right? No, no, not Hinkley. Uh, Mark David Chen. All right, we'll cut this part out. Lee, it was rumored that you tried to beat Mark David Chapman to shoot John Lennon, but you realized you forgot to put bullets in your gun. Is this a true story? Well, without getting into complete details, Let's just say I usually forget to put bullets in my gun anyway. So most of the victims, I mean, targets, I mean, whatever, they, they usually, usually survive. Okay, so it's true. Uh, I did not say that. <laughs> no, I know, but no, but, uh... You know, in this case, your victim didn't survive because somebody didn't forget to put bullets in their gun. Um, yeah, uh, no, 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 no. Is, is it true that you, you read him, catch? you were the one that gave him Catcher in the Rye, the book? Um, no, I gave him the Iliad by Homer, but that was a little bit too long. But then he asked me to give him Catcher in the Rye. So I found a copy in my basement because he was too cheap to pay the 50 cents for the copy in the thrift store. Ah, uh, okay. I, so I don't feel bad writing that in Wikipedia now. All right. Yeah. I heard you were eating a ham on rye while all this happened, too. <laughs> all right. Um, right. Yeah. Here, here's another one. Now, this I'm curious about because... 
I do see a little bit of resemblance. There's a rumor online that you are actually Hunter S. Thompson. Is that true? Um, and that, you that is true. And that you faked your own death. You don't want me to shoot you, so you better fucking keep this quiet. Wow, you're very volatile, just like Hunter S. Thompson. Thank you, you fucking bitch. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, okay, last question. I don't want to get hurt here. But uh, it's well documented that you were a very big figure in the Bay Area. And uh, there's rumors that you were actually in the running to join Jefferson Starship. But they ended up going with Mickey Thomas instead. Is that true? Here is the point. I was in a bathroom with Mickey Thomas, and I tried to choke him. And another member of the group, who I will not name, came in and said, if you win this battle, you get to go on stage. But then the cops came and they... Well, I, I ran out before they could arrest me. But then the bitch who said I would be the lead singer, he said, no, that stuff never happened. Then I became a fucking obscure piece of shit, and Mickey Thomas became the very well-known guy that he is. But I tried to choke that fucker. And if you know where he lives, let me know, because I have unfinished business. All right, well, the city was almost built on Lee Gerstmann. There you go. Yes, almost. But he forgot well, the bullets. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah. all true, all right. Well, thank you. No! For... Oh. <laughs> what? It's not true? Well... <clears throat> Frankly, I'm sorry if I It depends you. on your interpretation of what's true and not true. If you want to go with facts, they're true. But if you want to go with what I say, it isn't true. Oh, okay. I get it. All right. Uh, you're trying to do the mental whamma-jamma on us. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, well, before I even get into it, uh, you know, just so people know, you know, we're not making this shit up. Okay, this is actually, if you go on Frankly Gersman's page, you will see this. Uh, you know, like, oh yeah, he was going to join Jefferson Starship. But some of our listeners might not know how immensely talented you really are. So maybe you should perform an original song so they can tell. Sure. Okay. Um, I will do a song on the keyboard. Ha, 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 ha.
was that was something. Wow, that was like nothing's going to stop us now, but with talent. Nothing's going to stop us now. You mean that fucking song that that guy I tried to choke was on? Yeah. You trying to fucking get me riled up? A little. Thank you so much, Lee. And, and we will have another performance from you later in the show. But uh, let's get back to the album. And what I'll say about this, I was very disturbed when I found out this was coming out. Uh, because Joey Belladonna was one of the reasons that Anthrax was one of my favorite bands at the time. And I, I could not imagine Anthrax without them. Because, I mean, they helped me get into thrash because besides the drumming, you know, when I was younger, uh, you know, like the, the harder beats I had, I had trouble getting into, and a lot of the vocals in the thrash groups. But Joey Belladonna had that perfect bridge between, you know, traditional metal and, and, and thrash metal. And it was really my introduction that got me into an acceptable thrash so when I thought he was going to be gone I was like oh fuck this is going to suck I'd never heard of this other guy I mean I'd heard of Armin Saint but I hadn't heard them this is going to be fucking horrible I, I was so depressed and uh, you know you keep reading about it in the magazines and then I heard only on the radio and was blown away I mean I just thought it was great and uh, I called my buddy and he heard it the same day, you know, it premiered on the on local radio station here, and he hated it. He goes, oh, it's not fucking Anthrax, it fucking sucks. And, uh, he, he later changed his opinion, but, man, I knew right from the start, once, once I heard I was like, okay, this is gonna be okay. This isn't gonna be another Van Hagar situation. You know, and I would say, besides lead guitarist, I mean, uh, a singer is the hardest member to change in a band. And to get people to accept it. Because they get so used to a signature voice, a signature sound. A lot of bands have tried and failed. Motley Crue, even though they made a great album, it failed. Because people just wouldn't accept it. Now, whether they they succeeded or failed with John Bush is a matter of opinion. But uh, I think he did a great job. And uh, I have nothing but great memories about this album. Well, I... Uh... Like Lee, uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, Armored Saint, and uh, I was I was excited, but I was also sad that this would also be the demise of Armored Saint. I mean, you know, at the time when uh, White Noise was uh, being made, I thought, well, you know, I mean, John Bush, you know, no pun intended, dropped the ball before when uh, he was actually asked to join Metallica before they recorded Kill Em All. But, you know, at, at that time, it's understandable because Armored Saint was as big or if not even bigger than Metallica at that point because they were really huge in the in the L.A. scene, in the California scene at the time. They got signed to Chrysalis. They, they were doing really good. And uh, so he declined because, number one, he wasn't going to leave this popular band he was in. And number two, everybody in Armored Saint were all elementary friends. They all knew each other all their lives. But then, you know, Armored Saint went through so much bullshit because Chrysalis Records is not a heavy metal label. Um, if you look at their roster, anything that was popular from Chrysalis, none of it was metal. No. Well, Jethro Toll was on Chrysalis and they won the Grammy for Best Metal Performance. Yeah, well, okay. Okay, I stand corrected. 
But, uh, you know, and they had Queen and who else? Pat Benatar. I mean, you know, stuff that you know, like bordered hard rock, but it was nothing, nothing metal other than Jethro Tull, which is, you know, the exception to the rule. And um, so after going through so much bullshit and then getting dropped by Chrysalis and lucky enough, Metal Blade picked them up to record one of their greatest albums, Symbol of Salvation, which that album is so amazing and so classic and so killer that it actually went nowhere. So when you're in a situation where you fucking put all your heart and soul into an album that really rules and it still goes nowhere, and then a big band like Anthrax comes and says, hey, you want to join us? Of course, it's a no-brainer. So that, that kind of depressed me, but that's just the way it is. And another example why I always say Anthrax are Metallica copycats, because, oh, Metallica has John Bush, let us have John Bush, you know? Uh, you know, I never saw Anthrax run around with fucking Armored Saint shirts, where Lars used to wear Armored Saint shirts. Anyway, so, I was still uh, curious to see how this would sound. I was hoping it would be good because I have not been in, uh, impressed by Anthrax with the last few albums they did. I didn't like Persistence. I didn't like State of Euphoria. And we all, if you want to know what I think about Among, listen to that uh, um, episode. So I wasn't really impressed with them lately. So with uh, John Bush's edition, I had hope. I thought, well, maybe with his voice, because his voice is much, I think would fit the Anthrax sound better than Joy Belladonna, and I have nothing against Belladonna. I like Belladonna singing on the classic Anthrax stuff that I do like, uh, but I felt like this is a good move. Uh, if, if you're going to fucking replace Belladonna, John Bush is an excellent choice because I feel John Bush is, and still is, the most underrated uh, metal singer there is. Uh, amazing, amazing voice. Gritty, yet melodic. The guy's the guy's kind of like a total package. So, uh, the first thing I heard was Only. And, honestly, I, I did like it when I first heard it, but I was expecting something heavier. But I, I, I heard it, and I go, you know, this is awesome. It's an awesome song. Uh, regardless if it's Anthrax or not, uh, judge it by not being Anthrax. Like, your buddy didn't like it because he's judging it by... It's Anthrax doing this, which I have a very easy time uh, judging a song from a band that doesn't sound like their signature shit. You know, if I like the song, I like the song. I don't care if it's, you know, uh, Memory Remains or or Bear off the next uh, uh, Anthrax album. You know, if they take a left turn and it sounds good to me, I'm going to dig it. So I thought it was cool. I ran out and bought the album soon afterwards. And then... Uh, what I think of the songs are coming up, so um, I will give I will pass it now to Lee and uh, have him review the first song off the album, which is Potter's Field. This is interesting because when I first heard this song, it actually sounded like something I would write with my old bandmate Pascal Garneau back in 1982. Just the slow vibe and the cool drums which i thought was kind of interesting but also it reminded me of megadeth and it got better as it got along it wasn't my favorite on here but yeah i i i could see it sounding 
it sounded all right. Ian? Great opener. Uh, and this is a great breakup record. And while I was doing some research, I always knew that Scott Ian was going through a divorce. I didn't know that uh, that uh, John Bush was going through a bad breakup as well. You all right, Lee? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to cough not in the phone. Uh, Ian, Ian, hurry up before he dies. All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, so it, he was excited about having John Bush, somebody who would write lyrics, but I always suspected that Scott Ian had more influence because I, if you listen to this, this is a breakup record in a lot of ways, in a lot of songs. Uh, but to know that they were both going through breakups and they both did the lyrics makes a lot more sense. Uh, great fucking track. And it sets the dark tone for the record. And it, to me, it... It's a dark tone that carried over from Persistence of Time was a lot darker than their earlier material. And I believe uh, the title, Potter's Field, uh, I believe that's like a graveyard for like, you know, the unwanted or, you know, where they just put people who, uh, you know, nobody's going to pay for their fucking, uh, you know, their funeral or nothing like that. It's just like, a, like an empty lot for the unwanted. Yes, it is. And I believe it's located in New York. Yes. And uh, it makes perfect sense, you know, because it's a lot of these songs are, are very angry, not so much self-pity, and that's what I like about it. There's an anger on here, but like a righteous anger, not like a wah-wah grunge anger. Uh, just like, man, you broke my heart, you're a motherfucker, and fuck you, and I'm pissed off, and I like that. <coughs> and, uh, you know, it also helped that I, you know, I was going through uh, a divorce at the time, so this album really hit on uh, on all the marks for me, right off the bat, and I absolutely love Potter's Field. A great way to introduce a new era of Anthrax. What do you think, Ralph? All right. Uh, first, I gotta say the intro I don't like at all. That long. This is a journey into sound. Like I think that shit should have been like ten seconds max, because it just it takes too long for the song to kick in. I don't like it, but. When the song does kick in, yes. Total Anthrax. This is fucking heavy as fuck. This is Anthrax on fire. This is them finally honing in uh, what they, in my opinion, were trying to do with the two albums before it. Yeah, I know they're very proud of Persistence, and I know a lot of people love that album. I just feel this album speaks to me much more. This is a great example. You know, uh, Persistence was them, you know, being pissed off and, and, and writing angry songs because their warehouse broke, uh, burned down. And, and also they weren't as big as uh, Metallica uh, because of State of Euphoria. I know that was pissing them off. And, you know, State of Euphoria was just an album. Hey, let's, say, let's, let's throw in a bunch of thrash riffs and say the F word over and over again. <clears throat> but this, this is like a different type of... Number one, like you were saying, the subject matter about like some graveyard. But if you really listen to the lyrics, um, I mean, this is what I get out of the lyrics. This is kind of like a, a fetus uh, inside a woman that's about to get, you know, aborted. Because if you listen to the lyrics, it, that's what it, I, I'm almost positive that's what this song's about, an unwanted child. And it's the point of view of a fetus. Because uh, that's what I get out of these lyrics. I, I think the, 
I think it's an excellent song, and I, I would have to say it's like my favorite song off the album. Uh, yeah, Pottersfield is my favorite song. But man, there's a lot of other really good tracks off the album, and like we said, I'll take the next one, uh, Only, which uh, James Hetfield said it was the perfect song, and Scott Ian will not let you forget that. Because he says it in many interviews, and if you ever, if you if you own a copy of uh, what is it, Attack of the Killer A's, uh, it's in the liner notes as well. Hey, James said it's the perfect song. Uh, this is like I was saying; it was a different sound for Anthrax, and 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 to me, this is what made the album successful when it was first released. Because when this album was first released, it, it was like number six on the charts or something. It went gold. It was doing great. This was the right choice for the first single. The video is cool as fuck. The video features Frank Silva, who uh, played uh, Bob in the Twin Peaks show. I don't know if you guys are ever watched Twin Peaks. Yes. Uh, I love that show. It's like one of my favorite shows of all time. Very strange fucking show. And uh, unfortunately, Frank Silva, the actor, died of AIDS. Uh, Lee, what do you think of Only? I'm have to pretty much disagree with most of what you say. Um, to me, first of all, the chord changes sound way too grunge, like Soundgarden or some emo group should have done it. And I could imagine Richard Simmons, Richard Simmons, doing it on a robotized video to it, like, okay, da 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 da, move your body. Only your arm, only your butt. Da 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 da. Anthrax is bad for your brain. We are only doing aerobicides. I mean, to me, it just sounded. To me, Kiss's song "Is That You." That sounded more cool to me than this. I mean, it didn't really do it for me. All right, uh, uh, Ian. Uh, <laughs> wow, I, I strongly have the urge to exercise now, but I couldn't disagree with you more, Lee. I, I think it's great, and I think, you know, this is a little... How do I put this? Frankly, I think you're upset because this is another band you had a chance to replace the singer, and they ended up going with somebody else, and I think it's more personal for you. We talked about that offline. You should not have mentioned it. Shut up, bitch. Uh, okay. I, <laughs> Thank you, Dada. Um, <laughs> it is a perfect song. And uh, and yes, I do have to say James Hetfield said that because we all get money, you know, for repeating that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was a great single uh, and, and a great way to show, hey, we're still here and... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's just to me, it, it was an incredible choice, the the perfect choice for a single, but not my favorite song on the album. But I still, I still fucking love it. Uh, it went to number twenty six on the uh, mainstream rock charts, and uh, and the video was popular. I mean, you did see it. You saw it a lot in Headbangers Ball, but it wasn't like in like normal rotation on MTV. But it did get a lot of airplay. And it gave me hope that, okay, this isn't going to be another Van Halen, where somebody comes in and it, it just gets pussified. Now, did it change? Yes. 
But I don't have a problem with change as long as you keep integrity and, and, you, and you keep heaviness. And that, that's why I think I, I'm able to accept John Bush, you know, as a replacement singer where, where I couldn't Sammy, you know, because it just turned into like a light rock band where this is still heavy. You know, is it different? Yes. Is it less thrash? Yes, but it's still heavy. And that is the main thing that I wanted, you know, that I was worried about. So absolutely love this song. I'll take the next one, which is Room for One More. Now, this is a song that Scott Ian wanted to be the second single from the album. And I'm glad I did some research because, you know, you see there, there are some things that do get fucked up on Wikipedia, you know, and frankly, Gersman will back me up here. Uh, if you go on, yeah. if you go on Wikipedia, they show this as the uh, third single, but it was actually the second single. But this was a big fight between Anthrax and Elektra because they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we need to, we need one more hard hitter, and this is going to push us over." But Elektra wanted Black Lodge to be the next single, and they were going back and forth and back and forth. Well, it ended up Elektra won. And uh, this is a great song, man. I saw they played it live on the tour, and everybody got behind it. Uh, and, and it's like three in a row. I, you know, I love it. You know, there's not a bad one yet. I'm, you know, I'm going back to listen to this for the first time. Like, hell yeah! You know, it's another angry song. It's another breakup song, but again, not a wham wham song. So I love that. It's something you can listen to and get strength from, and not, you know just feel sorry for yourself i absolutely love room for one more frank what do you think shut up with the frank but this song is so good i'll accept it awesome song one of my favorites on the album if my band was around at that time we would have stopped in our tracks and go whoa holy shit i wish i could do something like this this is a great song and one that I will come back to again. This is my idea of good rock. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Scott Ian said when uh, this album, before this album came out, they were interviewed on Ed Bannon's Ball. And Scott Ian said this was his favorite track off the album at that time. Um, this song was a mainstay in the set list all the way up to before Joey came back. I believe even Dan Nelson. This was still on the set list with Dan Nelson. I like this song a lot, but I feel like most people like it more than I do. And I think it would have been a better second single, even though I, I, I like a lot of songs on here more than other people, more than this song. But since most people really love this song, I think this could have helped them propel. Because there's a lot of songs from bands that made them popular that I kind of scratched my head saying, well, there's better songs on this album. Why didn't, th why doesn't this song get as much as recognition as this one? And I feel like Rumor From One More is one of those. Now, a funny story about this video. I was almost in this video because they played um, a festival in North Florida and uh, my friend was building, had part of building the stage. So I went with him and I got to hang out backstage and I got to hang out with John Bush. Now, John Bush, this was the second time I met John Bush because Armored Saint played here on a, a similar Salvation Tour where it was like 
10 people went to that show. It was a disaster, but I got to hang out with the Armored Saint guys all day. And when I met John Bush, I said to him, Hey, remember, uh, remember me, man? You played uh, Hollandale, Florida, and I, you know, and I, and I film. I actually filmed it. I actually had one of those big ass cameras where I filmed me interviewing him outside. And he's like, Yeah, dude, I remember you. And then we got to talking. Oh, one funny thing is when Anthrax was walking out of their bus, like walking around the backstage area, one of the bodyguards tried to stop me from going up to them, but I went up to John Bush and then he just let me go. It's like, oh. If you want to talk to John Bush, it's okay. Just leave Scott Ian and Charlie alone. It was kind of, I swear that's what happened. So me and John got to talking. And we were talking for a while because once I told him who I was, and I was like, yeah, dude, I still live down in Florida. I came all the way up here hoping to meet you and told him the situation. And he said, hey, you know, uh, this was a Saturday that this show took place. On that Monday, they were going to film the video for Room for One More in in um, I think it's Zephyr Hills, Florida, or yeah. some, somewhere around there, uh, up there north. And he asked me to be part of it. He goes, dude, you should come, come to the video shoot, and you can be in the video, and we're gonna do it in some house with a bunch of people moshing around and shit like that. I was like, fuck, dude, I can't, because I drove up here with this guy. I mean, I did talk to him later, saying, dude, can we stay? And he couldn't, because he had, you know, he had things to do. But yeah, I almost became, a part of this video unfortunately I couldn't but uh, that's my story behind room for one more uh, Lee I want Lee to take over package rebellion what do you think of this one Lee I think he died Lee okay um, <laughs> well this might sound like a mix a mix compliment but it's better than anything off of Metallica's St. Anger but then again anything would be this is filler yeah that's all you got to say about it that's that's more than I want to say about it <laughs> all right uh, Ian uh, I love it I love it's got a great stomp to it and I, I think it's funny that Anthrax is singing the song about Package Rebellion and, and being trendy and stuff because unfortunately they have been a band that's jumped on just about every trend there is and continues to do so. But uh, I absolutely love this song. Uh, you know, it's not my favorite, but it's still, I would never skip this track and uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, that, good song. What do you think, Ralph? All right. When I saw this tour, I saw this tour three times. No, four times. The first time they came here, they played um, with White Zombie at an amphitheater. And this was after, I mean, Anthrax was riding high at this point. Because this was early in the tour and the album was selling. The second single wasn't out yet. But they didn't play Package Rebellion. And then when I went up to see them in, in that, that show I was just talking about, they didn't play it then either. Then they, after, you know, the album, like, stopped selling, they did another tour with Fight, trying to raise the sales. And also they were promoting their version of 
Oh, what's the name of that Beastie Boys song they did for the Beavis and Butthead album? Uh, Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun. Yeah, which they did play it on that show. And they also played Package Rebellion. They added it to the settlers. This song fucking rules. I love this song. Um, I, I love the fucking verses, the back and forth. Like when they did this live, it was Frankie and John kind of doing a duet back and forth. I think the song kicks ass. Revolution on my sleeve. I think the lyrics improve so much with John adding his input to these lyrics. Because I think the lyrics on Sound of White Noise are fucking amazing. Compared to all the lyrics to all the songs before. I made like Spreading and, and, and Fistful of Metal better. But lyric wise, I think Sound of White Noise has the best anthrax lyric. Package Rebellion is a great example of it. I love the structure of the song. Um, and you know, with John Bush adding his input, I feel like it does bring an, uh, a different shade to Anthrax that improves it. Now, unfortunately, they don't let Belladonna add any kind of input. And by Belladonna's solo stuff and the stuff uh, that he wrote on Sun Red Sun, I think he, he could add just as much as John did on like a sound of white noise which is unfortunate they don't give him no fucking none at all but you see by they let other people in give input i think it improves shit and uh i love package rebellion um ian you take the next one high pro glow high pro glow this was the the fourth and last single off the album uh, i dig i i love like the the start stop you know, stomp to the song, and uh, <coughs> the the video was, was uh, okay. I mean, not not stellar video, but still, I enjoyed seeing it on TV. Um, but uh, I, I like this one a lot. Now, this album, as I'm uh, doing some more research, ninety percent of this was written by Charlie. Uh, Scott was kind of off; like he was all in love with John Bush, so they were partying. Uh, you know, Scott was going through some bad times. John's going through a breakup. So they kind of hung out and got drunk together all the time and left Charlie. And they're doing this in L.A., leaving Charlie in New York to write a lot of music. And Frank wanted to add a lot at this point. Like, he'd always wanted to have a, a larger voice in Anthrax. And Scott says he liked a lot of the stuff Frank was writing, but he said it wasn't Anthrax. Which I think is funny because, you know, th this album is different for anthrax but it's still you know under the banner but uh there was a lot of tension there and they said frank threatened to quit a lot of times over that like if you don't include my stuff um but and this is another one that's it's kind of different but yet it still has that stomp that a lot of classic anthrax songs have you know it's like it almost goes hand in hand with the little fucking dance that scott ian does you know, the, the little, you know, not man dance. But I, I love this song. You know, whether it was right for a single, I'm not sure. But I mean, I mean, at this day and age, if you're going for a fourth single, you know, that's a lot of singles for back then for an album that didn't even go platinum. But it, it shows you that Electra was trying with this because they spent a lot of money um, on, on the advance they gave they gave Anthrax. You know, they were going, going from Island to... Uh, to Electra, and I think they thought they were going to be the next Metallica, but you know it kind of backfired, and that's why they did little to nothing to promote the next album, 442. 
But uh, High Pro Glow, love this song. I can't remember if they played it live when I saw them. I saw them with, uh, with White Zombie and Quicksand opening up. And, you know, funny thing, like, we always joke about how Wikipedia fucks shit up. Well, I was reading Scott Ian's autobiography today, and he talks about the show that I saw. He talks about Al Jurgensen coming out and uh, playing with him, and he says they played Thieves by Ministry. They didn't. They played Supernaut. So Scott Ian don't even have his fucking facts right, because I remember, like, me and my buddy lost our shit. We're like, holy shit, it's Supernaut. But he's, he's like, oh, no, we played Thieves. No, you played Supernaut. I have to correct you there, Scott Ian. But, uh, yeah, good song. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, this should have been the third single instead of the last one. This song is very original for Anthrax. It's very heavy. I love that I, 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 back and forth shit. Uh, this sounds like a band determined to make it huge. This sounds like it could have been done and released as the last single. Fuck the fourth single. But the damage was done with the second single. But I think High Pro Glow could have been a fucking staple song and could have propelled them into, you know, well, at least close to Slayer territory, at least. Uh, and, and it would have brought uh, a lot of promotion for Stomp 442. But well, I... Scott, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Scott Ian said the same thing. He said if they would have released uh, Room for One More Next... And then this, he felt this could have been their countdown to extinction. It reminds me of Don't Tread on Me by Metallica. It's yeah. a little strange, but I can dig it. It's like in the lyrics, they're saying, you can get that suntan glow, just use military chemical sprays, makes the skin nice and dead, better than Botox and American made. Good for the economy. So it was kind of an interesting song, lyrically and melodically, as far as I was concerned. And so, kind of Metallica-ish. So you liked it? Yeah, I did. All right, cool. All right. Uh, um, okay, so okay, I'll go on. Well, actually, you go into the next one, uh, Lee. Uh, talk about Invisible. Okay. Um invisible um um get give me a moment um oh shit because um i all right wait a minute ah shit invisible is um because uh, i have my notes for all of the songs this is really weird because well, um, maybe maybe your note just oh. went invisible <laughs> you beat me too okay <laughs> Actually, um, from, from what I remember, to me, Invisible was kind of um, just, it seems sort of filler, but it was, um, it was kind of melodic and poppy, but to me, it just seemed like um, it was one of the few, it, it, it was one of the songs that started the downward trend for this album for me, like it, it was a little bit less interesting, but but, but not not too bad. All right, Ian. Okay. Um, I would definitely call this an album track. Not bad, but uh, but not as standout as, as what's come before on the album. I do like it lyrically, uh, the aspect, you know, I take it as like a fake friend. 
you know, somebody who's really not there for you and uh, acts like they are, but really it's all about them and they can give a shit less about you. And that's what I get out of it. Uh, I enjoy it. I would never skip it, but it's not a standout track. What do you think, Ralph? I think this song is heavy as fuck. This song will make, you know, people, again, with the grunge thing, I think this song will grab grunge, right? Make it open its mouth and bite down on a curb and kick the back of its head. American history X style. Bite the curb. Pop. You better find those fucking, uh, that that fucking notes, uh, Lee. (laughs) This is not, this is maybe that one of the heaviest tracks in the whole discography of that. There's nothing pop about this song at all. It's fucking heavy. Well, well, maybe, maybe I was too drunk. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'll change my mind. That song was really heavy, and I was <laughs> I was in my pop, retarded, fucked up, drunk mind, okay? All right, so, uh, okay. I okay. agree with Ralph. <laughs> of course you do. And yes. uh, I think John Bush sings his ass off on this track. I love this song. <laughs> Yes, it is a very deep track. Yes, it was never played live. Uh, well, that I know of. Uh, and, and, you know, just to go back to High Pro Glow a little bit, uh, Ian, you said oh, you, that they played your song on that tour. Actually, High Pro Glow survived the set list. I believe it may have been dropped on uh, Volume 8, but it was brought back on uh, We Come For You All. Uh, I know one of the tours, Yeah, it definitely had to be uh, Volume 8 because... Uh, I know they were still playing this shit on Stomp. Yeah, no, no, I, I, no, I think I saw them play this on Stomp, but I don't. No, remember. no, they did, they did, they did. Okay, okay. Uh, volume eight, they dropped it, and then, I mean, I'm judging by the show I saw, which right. I saw the Volume Eight tour in Virginia. It didn't come here, and uh, we went all the way up there not just for that, but for other things. And I said, hey, you know, let's catch Anthrax because they're not coming here. And it's, you know, and 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 I had a habit of always hanging out with John Bush. And we interviewed John Bush at that Virginia show, actually, in the, in the hotel. I gave him, I gave John Bush a Bon Scott shirt, which I have a picture of John Bush hanging out with Joey Belladonna wearing that shirt. And uh, yeah, John Bush, I mean, I haven't seen John Bush since like, what? Well, when was uh, We Come For You All, like 2001 or something? Uh, uh, yeah, 2000, there. 2003. Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen him since 2003. I, he probably doesn't even remember who I am. Because it's been like so many fucking years. But there was a time on the volume eight uh, when we were hanging out. He knew my name already before I even said a word. He's like, hey, Ralph, you know, you already knew me. So, because I met him like five, six times before that. And uh, and the We Come For You All was a weird situation. It was, uh, it was really brief meeting him. But he was still nice to me, but it was very brief. And, uh, but I haven't seen him since, so who knows if he still remembers who I am. But, uh, going back to, uh, the song, um, Invisible Fucking Rules, I love it. And, uh, we all talked about Invisible, right? Yes. All right. Thousand points of hate, the next tune I'll take. Uh, this is fucking grunge. You know, I wash my hands off this. This is fucking heavier than Tad's body weight. I do not. I'm telling you, there's nothing fucking grunge about this album. Seriously, dude. Uh, fucking... uh, that, that's a great quote, though. Because if you know if you know Tad, you know what that means. Exactly. 
And fuck you, Belladonna Purist. How is it not as heavy as the Joey years? Um, the one thing that I did not like on it, but thank God it only lasted a second, was Terminator X was on here scratching a record. And it only lasted a second or two, because if it would have went on a few more seconds, it would have ruined the song for me. I dig the melodic solo going on during the chaotic music in the background. I think it's a great mixture. It's a great song, but as deep a track as Invisible. And I don't think this was also never, ever, ever played live. But um, this is this is definitely a very forgotten track on the album, as well as Invisible. I think back to back, these are two album tracks that you know were. It was just them being heavy as fuck. I thought Thousand Points Eight is a great fucking song. Now, granted, I will say like every song before Invisible is better than Invisible and Thousand Points Eight, but these are two songs that just keep my interest. They're they're really heavy. It's really heavy shit, and it's not for you know the popular you know culture. You know this is not very. Uh, easy to swallow, not very accessible. You have to be a fucking metal fan, you know, to really like shit like this. But because I think it is very noisy and and heavy, and I think it really does fit the the vibe of the album and the title of the album, "Sound of White Noise." You know, this is noisy shit. I I dig it. What do you think of Thousand Points Eight, Ian? Uh, well, I'm gonna disagree with you on this one because I like it a, a thousand points more than you. It's tied for my favorite track on the fucking album. It, it could have a lot to do with with not only the music of this, it's so heavy, but the lyrics were just, like I said, this is a breakup album for the majority of it. And I was going through a, a breakup at the time and it this just hit home. And it was so like, I would listen to this and, and, and again, not like, this would help get me out of like a self-pity mode and to just like let me be angry and to focus my anger. It's a very angry song and I recommend this uh, as a date we're recording this. Uh, former fan of the week, Ryan Madsen II said he's going through a breakup. Listen to this fucking song because this is a fucking breakup song. Yeah, I guess only listen to it if you're mad at her. If you're not mad at her, don't no, he's not. It. He's still friends with her. And plus, yeah. you got to remember, this guy's in a wrestling team. I don't think he should listen to this because he might break somebody's neck. Well, they're, they're, well, they're it'll make it'll make him that angry. That's how pissed off the song is. Oh my god, I I absolutely love this. Tied for my favorite, one of my all-time favorite Anthrax songs, and. Uh, a, a prime example of why it's it's very unfortunate that the the Belladonna cat, uh, you know catalog is not represented live, because uh, even though I would love to hear Joey sing this, I mean nobody could do it like John Bush though. Cause no this way, is, no This way. is John Bush through and through. But I love this song so much. It's like who's gonna play it? I mean you're not gonna hear it on a fucking uh, you know on an Armored Saint tour. But I did read a comment from. Uh, uh, John Bush, now this was a few years ago, but he said he would be interested in just doing a tour like himself where he would play these Anthrax songs because he, he's like, I know they'll never get played again. But I, I, I love these songs so much and I believe in them, I would like to play them. And I would be front row with that motherfucker. I absolutely love John Bush. I cannot say enough good about him. 
and some vocals. And I'm glad that you helped turn me on to Armored Saint because they just, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I because they weren't on MTV, really. You know, you didn't, there wasn't as many stories in Hit Parade about Armored Saint as there was about other bands. So I, I just kind of, you know, missed them. But now going back and listening to them, and a lot of that is, is thank, and I don't know why I didn't do it when I first got into the, the Bush Anthrax, but I never did. But thanks to you, I've gone back and I love them. And uh, man, this is a song. Oh, if I could ever hear this live and hear John Bush belt this out, dude, I'd, I'd be like crying like metal tears. All right, Lee, what do you think? To me, it sounds like when Metallica did Ride the Lightning, they threw away some tapes of songs they didn't want to use, and Scott Ian posed as a janitor and took the trash and grabbed that song from the wastebasket and decided that uh, Anthrax should use it. Well, to me, it should have stayed in the wastebasket. Oh, you bitch! Sorry. It's just, I don't know. I mean, there's certain kinds of really heavy stuff that I like, and then other stuff, it's like, like this. All right. Well, well. How about the next track, please? What do you think of Black Lodge? Oh, you, you want to hear my opinion on Black Lodge? No, I don't want to hear your opinion on anything anymore, frankly. <laughs> well, fuck you. I'm gonna give it. I like. I was like, oh, if it's affordable, I'd go. This is the same guy who paid forty dollars to see Pablo Cruz three months ago. Really? Is that true? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you think? What do you think of Black Lodge? Oh, um, I thought well, Anthrax doing spaghetti western music like the good and bad. <laughs> and the it's like Paul Stanley's song ain't quite right has more energy. All right, uh, Ian, Ian, Black Lodge. Um, my least favorite song on the album but I still like it. Um, this is one they wrote with Angelo, I'm going to try to pronounce this right, Badalamente. And, you know, he's a guy who does all the, the shit for David Lynch movies. And, and I heard you say earlier that this is about Twin Peaks. I don't know if it's about Twin Peaks as much as, the, you know, just inspired by the music. I could be wrong here. No, you are, because Black Lodge. Oh. I mean, Black Lodge is a big uh, part of Twin Peaks. Oh yeah, where they take yeah. Now, the, now, and, and if you listen to the lyrics, yeah, the lyrics could be a little confusing about not Twin Peaks, but then there's some parts of those lyrics that sound like, you know, uh, the death of Laura Palmer. I am the victim of your. I am the witness to your demise, uh, which is the. Well, I don't want to give it away because then you'll know who killed Laura Palmer yeah. if you've never seen it. But yeah, and, and don't make that mistake because I accidentally found out before I watched it and it ruined it. I, you know, I still love Twin you know, Peaks, bro. and that sucks too because when I was into Twin Peaks, I uh, when my friend totally turned me on to it, dude. I never knew who the killer was, and man, watching that show—if you don't know who the killer is—it's a big surprise. Back to the song. I do, I do love the song, and I like that they did something different, and I respect that. But uh, yeah, yeah, this being the second single did definitely kill the momentum. 
And, uh, you know, because just a lot of people, not only, okay, you're asking people to accept uh, a new singer. Okay, so that's huge in and of itself. And then you release this as the second single. That is not only not Anthrax-like, but you're throwing in all this different kind of music that most metalheads weren't listening to. Not all, but most weren't. Yeah, no, most wouldn't like this. Right. And, Anthrax fans would not like this. Right, even though I enjoyed it, 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 it's still, like I said, it's my least favorite, but I still enjoy it, and I appreciate them reaching out. I think, you know, out of the big four, all of them at one point reached out. You know, Anthrax did it with this era. Uh, Slayer did it with Diabolus. And I liked both of those, even though they were different. Now, when Metallica and Megadeth did it, on, on my ears, it, it wasn't as successful. But, you know, I have no problem with change, as long as it's sincere and and it's good. I mean, the main thing, is it good? And I didn't feel that way with Megadeth or Metallica. But I did enjoy when Slayer and Anthrax did it, so... It's not the change as long as the song is good. It's just, it was a bad way to sell this album, you know, for a second single. Even though I do like the video, you know, it was very, very cool, but it just, it, it was too much change at once, I think, for most Anthrax fans. You know, it's like, oh, not only do you have to eat this, but you got to eat this. And it did. I think it killed the momentum of the album. What do you think, Ralph? Well, th yeah, this definitely killed the album. It was a horrible second single. And, dude, honestly, I hated that video. The video to me, it was like, what the fuck am I watching? You know, it, it made no sense. It was some guy trying to conform his older girlfriend into a young chick by kidnapping a young chick who, um, I don't remember her name. When I interviewed John Bush, he told me that girl's famous now. Uh, like during the body oh, 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 Jenna Elfman. Now I remember Jenna okay. Elfman. Yeah, that was yeah, her. yeah, yeah. It was a chick from uh, Dharma and Greg. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, she I, became much famous later. Yeah, now I remember it. Now All right, well, anyway, so, um, here's the thing I don't really like this song. I, I actually really despise this song. Now, I don't know if you've heard it or not, but the cello string version have you heard that version? Yeah, the different mix, yeah. It's amazing. It makes the song a hundred times better. Because it starts with that creepy cello intro with only John Bush's voice. And then right. it goes into the heaviness. It doesn't have that, what Lee called spaghetti western. And also, something David Lynch used a lot. That, what is that, twangy guitar, whatever you want to call it. That, you know, that. Um, right. I don't like that. It kind of kills it for me. But I love that mixed version. And I would say it's one of the best songs uh, on the album is that, I mean, if it would have been on the album. I right. think this version is terrible. It doesn't have that climactic, you know, build up like the, the string version did. And I think that's a big fuck up on all their parts, you know, because Anthrax must have approved to put this version on the album instead of the, the mixed version. And uh, I, I just love the dark cello intro, and uh, it's just creepy sounding, and it really does sound like Twin Peaks, like that dark vibe. Because Twin Peaks was like, Twin Peaks was a light and shade show. It was a lot of crying and and fucking teddy bears and shit, but it had this real dark 
side to the show too. And the beginning of that mix to- is total Twin Peaks. Total. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been a killer. Still, even as much as I love that mix version, I still don't think mm-hmm. it should have been a single. But it would have been a killer album track. And it's too drastic. I know it's too drastic for hardcore fans, to, uh, Anthrax fans to swallow, especially uh, the, the Anthrax fans that couldn't, that wouldn't give only a chance. Right. This pretty, pretty much sealed it. They were like, oh, fuck this band. And with no promotion of Stop 442, which I felt was just as heavy um, and less quote-unquote grungy, if you would, uh, it would have been a, a much bigger hit for Anthrax fans. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of thrash fans are very are purists. They just want it one way and one way only, which I understand because I feel that way with, with Slayer. I'm, I'm, I'm like that with Slayer. I'm a one-sided Slayer cannot change. You know, that's why Diablo's really bothered me. You know, you, you have to stay Slayer. It's, to me, I view Slayer like I feel the Ramones. You know, and I view certain bands that are just, or Motorhead. You know, I they have to stay that style. If they stray, like, go like new metal-ish, like Diablo's, uh, I can't get into it. But, Anthrax, I feel like, has already proved themselves to be thrash, rap, rock, you know, heavy metal. Uh, they do, they, they mixed it up quite a bit through their career where if you listen to Ramones and Motorhead and, and uh, Slayer, what, what intrigued me about those three bands was they just kept that sound and did it so good, you know. And, you know, uh, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about Black Lodge. Uh, Lee, why don't you take the next song? It's called Burst. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, Burst, that sounded like something my whole band could have written. It's wild and crazy and very cool. I love this song. This awesome. is like like after, after, for me, some disappointments. This song brings it right back. Fucking A plus. Uh, uh, Ian. All right. Uh, deep cut. Heavy as fuck. Uh, the epitome of an album track. I don't know if this has ever been played live. I don't remember him playing it. No, nope, uh, never played live. But uh, yeah, this is just uh, a little taste of the old Anthrax. You know, a little just. I mean, just thrash through and through this is you know 80s thrash even though it's 93 you know the little bit hey let's not forget where we came from kind of thing absolutely love burst yeah it, it to me it is a total thrash song with the thrash riffs this is uh man if this whole album was like this i think it would have been it, it would have catered more to anthrax fans but i don't think it would have went you know probably would have stayed gold you know probably would have sold as much but uh, this is my second tr- favorite track off the album, right right behind Firesfield. And I'm very surprised they never played this song live. But not really very talked about. I made a video for this song that you could see on YouTube. Um, uh, thrash Metal 2, all one word. Uh, you see all these videos of Thrash that I made. And this was, uh, I, I had to make a video for first. I really love this song. And... Uh, 
like I said, it's my second favorite track off the album. I, I, I love it. I love Burst. And what I really like about this song, it's kind of like, I mean, I know this song, lyric-wise, you can tell it's about being pissed off at people that fucked with Anthrax with Bring the Noise and fucked with them with On Demand. But you can take these lyrics and, and apply it to today with the, the armchair, uh, you know, douchebag, asswipe critics that, you know, think they're the authority of what is good for everyone. That's what these lyrics are about. Like, you know, take a walk in my shoes, asshole, and then you'll know what it's like to be me. Instead of like, you know, everybody's always like critiquing everything like you know what everybody's thinking, where you actually don't. And that's what this song's about. I think it's a great subject matter. And I think the lyrics mean more today uh, overall for everybody than it did back then because I think this song was just focused on well, the people that hated rap rock. You well, know? It's, it reminds me of an article that was on Blabbermouth just a few weeks ago with Dave Mustaine where he says the criticism he hates the most is, well, basically what he's saying is fans. Uh, but what, I mean, what he's saying is non-musicians. He says he really gets pissed off when non-musicians try to say what he does is horrible. Right. And, and I, I kind of saw that, you know, and then another way it's like, well, hey, that's what I am. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm a fan and I'm going to tell you honestly whether I like it or not. Now, you might have put a lot of heart and soul into it. You might totally believe in it. But I'm telling you as the record buyer, as the fan, I don't like it. And I can kind of, I can kind of get that though. Like if you really worked hard to write something, and, and somebody doesn't like it, I can see like it, it would mean less than coming from another fellow musician. So I get that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm always being honest with my critique. I, I, I don't say shit for shock value, and I don't say it just to be a dick. I'm just telling you honestly how a song makes me feel or how it doesn't make me feel. And in a way, I think that is just as valid. But I do understand it from a musician standpoint. And that comment did make me think a little bit about how cruel I am sometimes on some songs. Like, well, I feel bad because maybe you really did believe in it, but I'm not hearing it. No, you shouldn't feel that way. Look, uh, I'm not a musician, but I am in a band. And I've gotten critiques uh, from, from, from people of my music. I mean, there's people that... Okay, I can't... I, there's people that just don't like Bratcher Die. They're like, oh, or some people are like, I like Bratcher Die, I just hate Dr. Fuck vocals. And people that say that, I can go, all right, that's a valid point. You know, and people like that don't upset me. Uh, but the, the, what does upset me when I hear people critique my band and bring up shit that's not true. Like, oh, I can't hear the bass on the album. Oh, all they do is just sing song about beer. You know, shit that's not... I mean, yeah, the new album has a song about beer, but I wrote it because of that one critique I got about all we do is sing a song about sing songs about beer. I said, well, let's write a song about beer. But I, I can't tell you how many fucking times I've gotten critiqued by people online that don't have their facts straight. Oh, Thrasher and I ripped off Ice Earth by releasing a shirt that said "fuck poses." We've never done that. Or I, sing, sing the song about the king of the pit. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, which was about Jesus. And it's so so blatantly about Jesus. The lyrics say, Jesus is back. 
You know, I mean, God, I mean, how much more? You know, and he talks about, you know, he'll turn your cross upside down. And, but, uh, you know, I get I get that from a lot of people. Like, but, you know, I mean, but but that doesn't really upset me because, uh, you know, if you're going to mis misinterpret my lyrics and still not bash the song, that's fine. But if you're going to bash something with st stuff that's not true, that would piss me off way more than a non-musician. Actually, non-musicians don't piss me off at all. As long as they don't like the music for my vocals or they just nothing you know the bottom line is Dave Mustaine is an insecure fucking dickwad for feeling that way the bottom line if you're gonna be in a band write a song for yourself if people don't like it as long as you like it it's a success that's the way I look at it so anybody out there listening that doesn't like Thrash or Die it doesn't matter because what matters at the end of the day is that I like it and also, you got to remember, and a lot of people seem to, you know, all these haters that hate Thrash Die, seem to not see the fact that you are way outnumbered by people that do like the band. Because if you look to any of the videos, the, the dislikes and the comments of people bashing us is like, I'm being generous, maybe 10% to like 90% of people that love it. Not that it matters, because if it was 90% people that hate it and 10% people that love it, I'd still be happy because at the end of the day, it's what I think of what I'm doing. If I'm going to write a song that I think sucks, which I have done, I wrote a song called Thrash or Die. <laughs> and I wrote it all. Music, lyrics, everything. That song is fucking terrible. And and I tried. I tried. and But there was one little piece of that song that we tacked on to uh, Metal Master Ultimate Revenge, which I thought was the best part of that song. But that song is that part of that song is so kick-ass that I was trying to make the whole song. Oh man, it's got to be as good as that middle section. So let's, you know, do this. But it didn't work out. So, you know, at the end I didn't release it because I didn't like it. And not everything I do I like. I also wrote a song called "Heaven Is Empty," which listen to that title. <laughs> Heaven is empty. That's pretty bad. Uh, really? Yeah, because it should be. Because the people are shit. <laughs> well, no, the song, the song's about, you know, how this world is, that nobody's going to heaven. It's empty. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. yeah. People, people are shit. Nobody's innocent. Not even... All right. Like let, let, let me tell you the first line. I have to say that regardless of whether they like it or not, they have to listen to your music. That is a prerogative of rock people. Listen to Thrash or Die. Thank you, Lee. And Lee liked it. He gave me a, a great review. And that, to me, you know, if somebody likes my shit, that means something to me. If somebody hates it, it really does like, well, that's you, dude. I mean, it's fine. But, you know, when somebody goes up to you, if you're not a musician, and say, you know what? I don't like you. I don't like your mustache. I don't like your hair. I don't like this and that. When you walk away, does that person really matter? It's like, well, I'm me. You know, I can only be me. If you don't like me, you know, like the famous line in Spinal Tap from the guy that's in the hotel, I'm only like the Lord made me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, that's the attitude you should have, you know? It's, it's, we, we got a review, one, well, not a review, but a, a critique on, on Facebook one time. And at first I was kind of pissed, and then I was like, well, he's entitled to his opinion. But he was ragging on our show and said that... Uh, he said, we don't review records. He goes, you just say what you think about the songs. 
And I'm like, well, that's a review, you fucking asshole. I'm like, I'm sorry you don't like it. He goes, he goes, no. He goes, don't say you're sorry. He goes, it's fine what you do, but it's not a review. Okay, not- well, now that's my point of people that critique me. That makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? It is a review, you know? But we go a little further. We go song by song. Most reviews, they just overall the album. And right, focus. well, he's like, he's like, oh, well, you just say what you think about the song and what happened to you at your point in life during that shit. I'm like, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, and, and, at minute 2.30... Uh, that's the thing that I like about it. Yeah, well, well, no, but this guy's like, you know, I'm like, what are we supposed to do? Like, you know, talk about what chord structure the song was in? I mean, that's fucking boring. What's, what's, more, what's more entertaining? I mean... Say what you think about it. Tell a fucking funny story. And to me, that's a much better review than... I don't need to know every, like, little small detail about what happened during the recording. That's that's for fucking nerds, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that happened to me on my... I, I did a, a review on, on YouTube for a Space Invader, uh, Ace Fraley, and this guy really went off on me because I didn't know the name of the movie that was used to the intro to one of the songs. Right, right. And and it was like, oh man, or or I didn't. Oh no, no, this was my favorite. I didn't know the name of Ace Frehley's fiance that helped him write a couple songs. I didn't know her name, even though I mentioned in the review it's his fiance. I couldn't remember her name. Therefore, you're you suck at reviews. You should do your homework. It's like, dude, I don't. I do what I do the way I do it. The way I cannot sit there and fucking. Oh, I gotta get every little detail right, you know? Like, there's a song coming up that I know is about a book, but I don't know what the fuck the book is. I don't know what the song's about, but when we get to that song, I'll I'll tell you. I I know it's about something, because I remember hearing about it back then. But, and uh, now I, you know, I have no idea. I can't remember. And, And I actually did do a little research on the song. I was like, yeah, I want to remember what the fuck it was. I couldn't find it online. So therefore, I can't say what it is. And I'm sure some, you know, dimwit out there is going to know and try to, like, school me on it, which is fine. You will be schooling me. And I hope you do, because I, I, I want to remember what... That's There's a contest for you. Now, and and, and then again, up. when you bitch about it, uh, just remember how much you're paying for this. And when you're paying for it, then you can tell me. That's exactly uh, what I... This one guy This one guy goes, Dude, when are you going to review Morbid Angel? Uh, 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 re- oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't it. It was... Uh, oh, fuck. I can't remember. But I reviewed... I think I reviewed like a uh, Thin Lizzy album. And then the guy goes, Really? You're going to review this album instead of that? And my reply to him is like, You get what you pay for. You know? Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you want me to review this album, pay me, motherfucker. So there you go. That was a great explanation for Burst. Yeah, there you go. All, All right, right, well, let's go to the song we skipped. All right, <laughs> you, you, you go. Sodium Pentothal. Sodium Pentothal. Um, I love it. It's another album track. Uh, I don't remember this being played live. No, it wasn't. I, I, I could be wrong. Okay, it wasn't played live. Um... But I love the set. I love the lyrics. You know, just basically like, tell the truth, motherfucker. Quit lying to me, and uh, you know, makes you wish you could give sodium pentothal to somebody. You know, to to get an accurate, truthful answer. 
And I think it's a it's a rocking song too. It's not one of my favorites, but uh, it's a great example of an album track. I, I would never skip it. Uh, Lee? It sounds a little bit like something I'd write with my old bandmate Dale Stilson, but I know me, Dale Stilson done a lot better. As filler, it's okay. Uh, Matt, don't you wish you had some sodium pentothal for Lee for him to give us an honest review of this song? <laughs> You're yeah. glad you don't have any. Yes. Yeah. I don't like to be embarrassed. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is what I think. I put this in the same league as uh, Invisible and Thousand Points of Hate. Great song. Heavy as fuck. Not as easy accessible as the rest of the album. Um, I kind of think it, I think it's a great track, an album track. Never played live, but I, I really do match it up. I know you know Thousand Point Days is one of your favorites, Ian, but I, I feel like this is in the same vein as those other two songs. It's kind of got that not so easy accessible, but heavy as fuck, and the great drumming on this. Team. That's some insane drumming on Sodium Pentagon, and. Uh, yeah, I think it's sporadic, crazy, and uh, really does fit the motif, if that is the correct uh, word for this, of uh, the, the album title, Sound of White Noise. I think it's it's perfect. It's perfect for the album. Deep track, not one of my favorites, like I said, like those other two ones. I love them, but it's not, you know, a standout track for me. But it's a great album track that I enjoy sitting through. I enjoy sitting through this whole album. I just wish Black Lodge was a different version. That's the only problem I have with this album. Going into the last track, which was what I was saying before, this song, I remember back in the day, either reading an interview or whatever, and Scott Ian talking about This Is Not An Exit is about a certain book. Or maybe it was uh, a series of books. You know, maybe it was like, you know, I, I remember him talking about Specifically, I'm not sure if it was a Stephen King book uh, or what, what what it was about, but I know the lyrics to this song has to do with um, some book. And uh, this is a song that was played live, but like um, uh, Package Rebellion, it was done on that later tour. They threw it in the set list with, with uh, you know looking down the barrel of a gun. Um, heavy grinding fucking song this is a song that to me makes more sense than uh what's the name of that song from persistence of time uh the, the third track gun, 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 uh, keep it in the family family yeah this is kind of like keeping the family but way better heavier stomping fucking great way to end the album but like sodium pentathon invisible and thousand points eight not as accessible as the rest of the album, but it's still heavy to the point, and I just love the grinding riffs that's going through this song, and uh, it's, it comes close to me. I mean, I think it's it's better than Sodium Pentothal, Thousand Points of Hate, and Invisible. I think it's the, the standout track to the more not accessible songs to the album. I love This Is Not An Exit. One of my favorite tracks on the album, and an insanely great way to end this album starts off heavy as shit ends off with this this is a great bookmark 
for the end of the album, which, where Potter's Field, a great beginning, this is a great end. These two songs are what make, to me, this album so fucking amazing. And one of my favorite, I would have to say, and I know this ain't popular, I like this album, I enjoy this album more than Among the Living. I'd say my favorite is Fistful of Metal, Spread the Disease, then this one. My three favorite Anthrax albums. I love it. What do you think, Ian, of This Is Not Enough? Um, well, this is the one I was going to say was tied for my favorite, but if I'm going to be completely honest here, uh, frankly, this is my favorite song on the album. Absolutely love it. This, is, this song is very personal to me. I mean, this is one, like I said, this is, for the majority, a breakup album. And this is a song that I got a great amount of strength from. Uh, you know, just because I could identify with it, and it, in a time when I felt weak, this gave me strength, and that's, and that's what I'll always remember about this track, and sometimes it's even hard for me to listen to, because where it takes me back to, like what I'll always associate it with, but, you know, it, it's something I overcame, and, and it's thanks to songs like this. That, that, that instead of self-pity gave me strength. It, an amazing, amazing song. And I think you brought up a very good point about how this album is bookmarked. It starts out so awesome with Potter's Field, and then it ends with this. And I always talk about, you know, that song that, that leaves you begging for more. Even though this, to me, completes the album. Uh, but it, it ends on a high note. This is not a throwaway track. This is... And I wish I know. I have no idea what book this is. I, I I know nothing of the book story, but I just know what it means to me and what I get out of it. And it's it's a very very important song, uh, without a doubt. I will have to say, I'll have to give this the edge over thousands of points of hate. My favorite song on the album. It's an incredible album from start to finish. Even the songs I like less, I still like. And it's, it's very rare that there's an album like that where there's nothing you hate. Stuff you like more, but nothing you hate. An incredible album that not enough people know or not enough people gave a chance to. This is not an exit that is amazing. Maybe we could get somebody, a listener, to, to find, out, find out what exactly what exactly is the book. Uh, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is this song about? You know? Yeah, if somebody knows, put it up on the Facebook page. Yeah, we'd love to know. All right. Uh, and, uh, all right, go ahead. I was just going to say, this kind of reminds me, too, of a song that, like, uh, oh. that Lee would have written with Pascal back in the day. Yeah. I, I don't think he'd think so, though, unless we gave him Sodium Pentacle. Well, what do you think? Fra frankly, what's your opinion? Okay, well, you're going to kind of be happy because, well, my notes say it's a pretty cool song. They probably took the title from the last line of Brett Easton Ellis's novel, American Psycho. You know what? I think, supposed I, to be. I think that's it, actually. You know what? I think yeah. that's it. I think that's the book, American Science. And I heard, and I read that, I read that book. But anyway, also, 
but there's supposed to be a real sign on the east, east coast in some state that says this is not an exit, which they took it from. But I think what I said is more interesting than the song, but the song is actually okay. I don't mind it. Well, there, there, you know what, it's, Ian? I'm pretty sure... It's, it's actually an alright song. I'm pretty sure this is not an exit. It's about American Psycho. Maybe I should Google it. You, you know, now that, now that you mentioned it, I'll ask my girl because I know she read the book. I, you know, I love the movie, but she read the book. So, I'll ask her, but... Uh, well, I read the movie and saw the book. I, 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 I'll say that again. I read the movie and I saw the book. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, closing this up, this was released on May 25th, 1993. was produced by Dave Jordan, who at that time was most known for his work with Jane's Addiction with Alice in Chains. And I think he did an amazing job production-wise on this album. I think it sounds very good. Uh, it made it to number seven on the Billboard 100 at a time when number seven meant something. So it did debut very high, and it did go gold, but didn't go platinum. And I believe this was their last album to go gold to date. Um, absolutely love it. But I got a feeling... Well, well Ralph, Ralph, do you know about the bonus tracks in this album? I know all the bonus tracks. And, All right. and and it's very sad because uh, during the Belladonna years, all those bonus tracks were thrown together on compilation albums. Where, if you ask me, the bonus tracks that during the John Bush years, holy fuck, man, they were all amazing. It's starting with this album, but it carried on. Believe me, all the other B-sides were great off the other albums coming up. But they do, my favorite of all the bonus tracks is their version of London by The Smiths. Fuck, that's rules. It's so oh. good. It's amazing. Um, amazing. They also do Avita Zane. I actually uh, heard it, and I like it, too. Yeah. Avita uh, um, Zane, Cowboy Song by yes. Tim Lizzie's Flawless. Amazing, amazing version of that. Yes, and the string version that you love of Black Lodge. Yes, and uh, an unreleased track, original track called Noise Gate. I don't know if you ever heard that one. Now, that one I haven't heard. It's good. It's a great song. Uh... I, it's in the same vein as Invisible Thousand Points of Hate. I think you probably dig it. You I should, did hear it. You, you should listen to that one. And uh, I believe there was. No, maybe that's it. No, no. I'll be right yes. back. I, I no, no, I know. I know. I love her all I can. I yes. actually think that Noise Gate was kind of a better song than one of the on the album. Okay, there you go. It is a great track. To me. But Love Her All I Can was another one, and man, I can't remember what the last one is. Well, Ian, Ian will bring bring to light, but I bought, back then, they, they released uh, only as a single, and it was a two-parter. Uh, one brought, you know, two bonus tracks, and the next one brought a couple other bonus tracks with uh, a live version of Room for One More. Maybe that's the other bonus track that Ian's looking for, because uh, I'm drawing a blank what else they did as far as B-sides for that album. But uh, Ian's looking for it now. So as I far as I, I saw you list that said "Love Her All I Can" by Kiss. Yeah, they did that. I don't know if that was on it or not. Yeah, they did. That was one of the B sides. Yes. All right. We'll wait till Ian gets back. So as far as I remember, it's London, 
by the Sniss, Love Her All I Can by Kiss, Off Vita Same by Cheap Trick, um, uh, Room for One More Live, and Noise Gate, those five tracks. Now let's okay. wait. I didn't hear the wait. Room for One More Live. I should look for it. Well, that, but I love their version of Offbeaters saying that was fucking cool. Yeah, the room for one more live is nothing special. It sounds like the song. It's no, it's no different, you know. It's, All right. It's pretty much like a soundboard recording, and uh, it, it's nothing groundbreaking. But... Well, I will say I think "Lover All I Can" was an amazing cover. Yeah, no, I thought everything, all the all the B sides were all amazing, you know, except for "Room for One More Live" was like whatever. Did you do your research? Are you talking to me? Yeah. Uh, on what? On what are the bonus tracks? Because I can only think. Oh of well, I mean, well, here's the thing. They they did a a remastered version of this that had bonus tracks. Now, on that version was Abita Zane Cowboy Song London and Black Lodge, and on the Japanese edition had Noise Gate. But Lover All I Can. And Cowboy Song were originally bonus songs on the CD single for Black Lodge. Okay, I got that as well. And plus, I have on vinyl a remix of High Pro Glow and Pirate Seal. They also remixed both those songs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that that's it. Oh, I mean, if I open up my iTunes, I have all this the Anthrax singles. And there probably is some other songs I'm leaving off. But this is what's on, like, the remastered version of this album. Uh, and just to go go on, because I, I have everything in front of me as far as everything they've done, as far as like B-sides with John Bush, and some like uh, soundtrack songs as well. Uh, 20 songs in all, and it's all really cool, and I'll, and I'll go down the list. Not in order. Bordello of Blood, which was the title track for that, uh, Yeah. Uh, what is it, uh, Something of the Crypt, Tales, Tales of the Crypt. From... Yeah. Yeah, they did that great song. London, Fueled Remix. Ghost, which is an original song. It's only a minute 55. Kicks ass from the Volume 8 uh, tour. Destroyer that came out on a Twisted Sister tribute album. Room for One More Live. Cowboy song, Safe Home acoustic version, which I don't like Safe Home at all. Oh, I hate that song. And I didn't like the acoustic version much either. Grunt and Click, uh, which it was a, uh, an original track from... Uh, I, I thought that was a cover. No. Uh, well... No, it wasn't. And and funny enough, here's something I read recently. No, I heard recently there was an interview they did with uh, Scott, Charlie, and Frank. And they were talking about when they were on the Motorhead cruise and they played the song over the speaker while they were all playing cards. And they go, hey, look, they're playing one of your songs. And they were like, what song's that? They didn't even remember Grunt and Click. Um, oh, yeah, that is that was off the uh, Australian Nothing EP. There you go. Okay, uh, which I have the nothing single on CD. Um, Snap, I'd rather be sleeping. The DRI cover, which is cool. Scott does the vocals. <laughs> Celebrating summer, and eh, that's a Husker Du song that yeah. Charlie's really into. I I didn't think that song. We're a happy family from the Ramones. Great version. Next to you, the police song. Great. Oh, version. Gr great version. Yeah, Pyresfield remix. The Throne Emperor, Celtic Frost with Scott Ian on vocals. High Pro Glow remix. Black Lodge remix, Phantom Lord, uh, which was, um, I believe it was on ECW Wrestling Soundtrack. They they recorded uh, Metallica's Phantom Lord with John Bush. So you can kind of get 
if John Bush would have joined Metallica, what it would it sound like? You know, because right. they pretty stay they they stay faithful. Ball of Confusion, which was the a track on the Killer Aids, which is a duet of John Bush and Belladonna. Uh, Remember Tomorrow, uh, Iron Maiden cover from the Nothing single, I believe. No Time This Time, which is a police song. Frank yeah. Frankie on vocals. Yeah, well, he does both the police vocals, I believe. Uh, no, next to you is uh, John Bush. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. I could be wrong. Uh, Rip It Out, uh, the Ace Frehley song. That's on some uh, Ace Frehley compilation where it's only Scott, Frank, and Charlie, I believe. Uh, Watching You, the Kiss uh, Pieces, which Pieces is a song that Frank wrote about his brother. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that, that that's a uh, hidden track on, on, on Volume 8. Yeah, Volume 8, yeah. She, which was on the Kiss My Ass, Kiss uh, compilation, uh, tribute album. Love Her All I Can, Exit, which is a U2 song, uh, yes. which I didn't care for. Given the horns. Now that's probably my favorite of all the original tracks they did. That's off of Volume Eight. Uh, B side from that. Noise Gate, which I said before. The Bends, which I believe is Radiohead. Yes. Okay. Uh, Poison My Eyes, which, dude, that song is really good. Which yeah. is which is during the Sound of White Noise time. Yes, and that was on the uh, Beavis and uh, Butthead, right? Uh, no, I think Poison My Eyes. With, I'm pretty sure yeah, Beavis and yeah, Butthead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was I was getting it mixed up with uh, looking down the barrel. That was on the last action hero soundtrack. And also, I just found out I do have Noise Gate on a single, so I need to listen to that. I'll it's, check it out. It, it, it's a really cool tune. I think the production. I don't think. I think it's a rough production though. That song. It doesn't sound like it was mixed and mastered, but it's still a great fucking song. Which was a part of the only single. Which I own. I have all these singles on CD and some on vinyl. Like I got a uh, uh, Room for One More single on vinyl. I got High Pro Glow on vinyl, which brings all remixes and shit. Um, all right. So uh, well, 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 speaking of good songs, let's hear a good original song with not only music but vocals. Yeah, by, by Frank okay, Gerson. Got it, baby. All right. What's Give the name? Give me a really quick moment. And, 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 and don't I forget to tell us the name. It. Don't forget to tell us the name of the track. Yeah, okay. do, do you want to give us any background on this song? The background on this song is I wrote it pretty much today. <laughs> all, right? The, all right? And it's called You're My Elder. But I need to spank you. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> we went out for food. We ordered the lamb. I dis. Proved. We could have had jam, not the kind you buy. It's not in any store, but. 
but the kind that I try from the hole of a whore. You're my elder, but I still need to spank you. Cause you get hot like a welder. So I have to thank you. The next time I meet, I'll get carried away. I'll lick both your feet, then I'll swim in the bay to get rid of the stink. I shall think you were one of a kind you're my elder but I still need to spank you cause you get hot like a welder so I have to thank you. out of Kenny Loggins if they made a third Candy Shack movie and he was doing the soundtrack. Yeah, it's a little commercial for you, Lee. Oh, you fucking asshole. But it's very, it's, it's catchy. It's catchy. It's just, it's a little poppy for, for, for my taste. You fucking asshole. This ain't like no Anthrax album. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of Invisible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Because I pretend I don't see it or hear it. I need a very gentle...
gentle and very loving fuck. Okay? Hey, I, I, hey, okay. It was an amazing... It you, was an you amazing... You still have song. to fucking tell me your address. <laughs> <laughs> 1313 Mockingbird Lane. What's okay. The, what's the address of Wrigley Field? Yeah, 1060 West Addison. That's where I live. 1060 West I Addison. see it online. <laughs> That's where I'll, I live. Pretty nifty, huh? 1313 Mockingbird Lane, South Beach, Arizona. Yeah, I'm exactly. fucking coming here and never leaving. Yeah, okay? Well, well if you want to go to... Fucking, you fucking didn't fool me. <laughs> well, if you, you want to go to South Beach, Arizona, wait till the earthquake happens. <laughs> okay, that would be fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be that much fun to you because you'll be ended up in the ocean. But hey, look at the bright side. So will your Casio. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> oh, right <my> on. <laughs> All right, well, it's time to. But go. I love you both. Yeah, and we love you too. Well, come on. Okay, well, well, well. You both my bitches. <laughs> well, frankly, you got a point. Uh, we got to go into fan of the week. And fan of the week this week is Daniel Lusbick. And uh, Daniel Lusbick is a friend of ours from Brazil. And he wrote, he just sent me today, he put us an iTunes that's on Brazilian iTunes that uh, we won't be able to see, but he sent it to me. And, you know, I know we're recording this at one time. You all right there, Lee? Yep. All right, but... I didn't think that you would hear me. Yeah, well, well when you cough into the phone, I hear you. Uh, well, I tried not to. Sorry. <laughs> Write a song about it. Uh, but Daniel Lesman, right. you are a fan of the week. We thank you for being part of the Facebook page. And on our next air episode, I will read your iTunes review. So we thank you very much. All right, thank you, uh, thank you, Stanley. Awesome. All right, and uh, let's do pick of the week. What do you say, Ralph? Do you have a pick of the week yet? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. Oh, okay, let's hear it. Because I I've done many picks of the week where I I, I pick an Armored Stain album. Now I'm pretty sure if I didn't, then this would be my pick of the week. But it, it, I already have a pick of the week. But in case I've never had Delirious Nomad as a pick of the week, then that's I my. Think- I think you did. Okay. Raisin Fear. Have I no. ever had that one? I no. think I think I have. If I haven't, then that's my pick of the week. And also Symbol Salvation. Those are my my three tops when it comes to Armored Saint. But I want to do another pick on Armored Saint, which I think is kind of like an overlooked album of theirs. Probably the most overlooked album is their reunion album, Revolution. No. Is it Revelation, I think? Revelation. Revelation is a... Fucking awesome comeback. Pay Dirt, After Me Comes the Flood, The Pillar, uh, What's Your Pleasure. That, the, I remember the first time I heard that song, it and that album, which, I mean, going back, it was my buddy, David Scott, drove all the way from, he drove like four, 40 miles to go to where I worked at a hardware store to bring me a cassette copy, because this was pre-CD uh, burner days. And he brought me a cassette copy because he got a advanced copy because he's buddies with uh, Joey Vera. And man, when I put that cassette in and I heard Pay Dirt, I almost cried. It was so good. 
It was total armored saint. It's like, oh my god, it's, I miss this band so much. Uh, it, it is a shame we live in a world where Anthrax is more popular than Armored Saint. Uh, I feel like when it comes to the most underrated band of the 80s, Armored Saint's definitely the most underrated metal band. In my opinion, this is a band that up to this point of Revelations never released a bad album. And I, I am, I am a, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, I keep, uh, oh, I'm a procrastinator when it comes to La Raza, because La Raza is an album I should listen to because I've heard two songs already on Shuffle that were really good from La Raza, and I need to sit down and listen to that album again, uh, because I love the last one, um, whatever it was called, I forget now, I'm having a brain fart. It's like my favorite album of last year. Where right. That, uh, through, through uh, when, uh, I forgot, but it, it's such a great album. It's my favorite album of last year. Anyway. But Revelations is an amazing fucking album. I flew to San uh, San Jose, California to see them on that tour. And, uh, oh my God, what a great, 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 great album. My pick of the week, Revelations from Armored Saint. All right, well, Ralph, I'm going to tell you this. As soon as we're done recording, I'm going to listen to that for the first time. Oh, you're going you're gonna to be blown away. It's so good. Like the good. first three tracks is like a one, two, three punch. Because I, I, I'm in a John Bush mode, and uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback on you right there because my pick of the week is La Raza. All right. And I, I know there's a lot of lot of Armored Saint fans that weren't on board with that album. And because I'm a newer Armored Saint fan, and I, La Raza was the first one of theirs that I heard all the way through. So maybe, I don't want to say open-minded because that sounds pompous, you know, but... Maybe because I don't know the other stuff, you know, I was more receptive to it. But songs like Loose Cannon, Head On, Left Hook from Right Field, they have a great video for that. Uh, all great songs, Bandit County, Little Monkey, but the one that uh, is... Yeah, really... Little Monkey. That's yeah. the other song I just heard recently on Shuffle that I was like, dude, this song kicks ass. But uh, I would say the song that connected to me the most... Uh, not only musically but lyrically is a song called Chill. Yeah, that's and, the other song I heard I love. And it's just amazing. And it's, you know, this is written from a guy that's lived his life in hard rock, but, you know, was like, you know, middle age now. And, and looking back on life, it's a very reflective song. And uh, it's a very positive song, you know, like. And, and instead of looking at what you didn't do or what didn't work, look at all the shit that did work and be happy with it, you know? Yeah, good, good, good point. And, 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 and there's, you know, and there's, you know, in, in everybody's life, there's a lot to rejoice about. You can always, you know, get depressed about this or that, but, you know, look back at all the positive shit in your life and, and take strength from that. And I just think it has an incredible message and it's, it, it's so neat to hear this type of music, which you know, I really associate with like a a young man's music, you know, because of the rage of the aggression. But to hear it with the sensibility of a man who's lived a life, you know, that's that's looking back and there's a maturity to the song that I think is lacking in a lot of like current metal, you know, where you know a lot of people, even if they do something new, they try to still keep it like 
okay, dumbed down so kids will understand it. This is just, this is an adult singing to other adults in, in, in a hard rock song. And I just, I found that highly original and very inspirational. So if you're not a fan of Armored Saint already, you'll have no problem checking this out with an open mic because you don't know any better. But if you are already an Armored Saint fan, give this another chance or give it a first chance. Uh, La Rasa, the 2010 album of Armored Saint, my pick of the week. All right, Keller. Lee, what's your uh, pick of the week? Okay. My pick of the week is actually um, kind of an older album. Um, if you know Johnny Winner. Yes, I um, love Johnny Winner. He, he, did a, he, he did an album with the group, and he called it Johnny Winner and, which is like, you know, I, I think that they didn't know what to name the group, so they just said and. They, they did a studio version. They did a studio album, and they did a live album, but the one that I'm picking is the studio album, and it has songs like Guess I'll Go Away, which is one of my favorites. They, <laughs> they also have Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. I never really cared a great deal for that <laughs> song, but but it's okay. But they have a version of Traffic's No Time to Live, and there's a song called Ain't There a Kindness. So, so if you look up those songs, you'll know what album it is. But it has Rick Derringer on guitar, and it's really a great album that I've, um, I, I, I used to listen to Johnny Winter on Doc Kirshner's rock concert when I was about seven or eight, and man, he's great. So that album is probably the closest to a really rocking, almost metal version of the blues. Well, if you get Johnny Winter and for- just the studio album, I'm sure you'll love it. Frank, I I, I have that, and I've never listened to it, so I'm going to listen to that after I listen to Armored Saint. I have both both the studio and the live, so I will enjoy those. I would say that if you listen to um, Jumpin' Jack Flash off of the live album, that's the one that I loved as a kid. If you even look on YouTube... If you find Johnny Winter in a top hat doing Jumpin' Jack Flash, that's the stuff I thought was fucking cool. And I told my sister, Johnny Winter's fucking cool. And she was like, uh, he's kind of a jerk, but okay. But I loved it. Well, I I see there's a lot of, I'm I'm looking at the live album now, there's a lot of cool covers that they do, like uh, Good Morning Little School Girl, Great Balls of Fire. Um, uh, I oh. like I liked years after version of Good Morning Little School Girl a little better, but we're kind of nitpicking. Uh-huh. Generally, the first album's the best, but the second one is like pretty damn close. And uh, the version I have, I, I've got like the remastered. It's got some bonus tracks. It has a it has a song on there called "You Are My Elder, But I Must Spank You." Wow. Do I have to choke Johnny Winter? I believe he's he dead. He died, so I have to fucking dig up his grave. But he needs a choking. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see if his version 
is as poppy a commercial as yours, or if he like oh, you, you he fucking like, bitch, he puts a blue slant on it. <laughs> you, you, you deserve to be next to Johnny Winter. Oh, 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 ouch! Oh, oh! Did you just wish death on me, Lee? No. I will resuscitate Johnny Winter. I am a medicine healing man. I will make you live forever, you pathetic bitch. Well, you better do it soon, because you sound like you're about to die. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then you're... <laughs> I think I just killed him. Then you're, you're, you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! You're oh. the witch doctor. <laughs> Fuck it. Booga booga, hooga booga. <laughs> I apologize uh, to both of you. You are very wonderful people. Uh, uh, Let Frank, me come clean. You are beautiful. Frank, frankly, you need some rubitussin. <laughs> ah! Thank you. <laughs> All right. Will... Thank Our... you, Daddy. <laughs> All right. Well, while you recover, let's get to the plug, shall we? All right. Now we get to the part that I got to do every week. The Facebook page is a family. Everybody is so interactive on that. And it is, it's one of the wildest sites on the fucking internet. It's fucking amazing. If you're not on our Facebook page, join. All you got to do is send a request. We'll let you in. And, uh, you know, then it's up to you to make the most of it. Also, go on iTunes. We're available on iTunes. If you're there, leave a review. Since I've started reading all these reviews on iTunes, we've been getting a lot more. I guess people like to hear their shit being read, and we will read it. So please go on iTunes, subscribe to us, leave a review. Very important. Of course, you can check us out on our home on Podbean. And when you go on the Podbean page... There's links to all kinds of amazing shit, like the Facebook page, like the Amazon page, like the Thrasher Die page, like the Combat page, uh, that Metal Station, the Indie Authority, all this shit you can find on the Podbean page. But most importantly, we're talking about that Amazon page. Get on there, give daddy some money. Ain't gonna cost you a penny more and you get what you already want. Check us out on that MetalStation.com where you can hear us Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and Thursdays, our time's changed on Thursdays. I believe we're on now at 6 p.m. Eastern. Also check out Mike Tyler's two amazing shows, one on Tuesday and one on Friday, and uh, directly inspired by our show, and I couldn't be more proud of them. Also check out The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. And now we'll mention some other podcasts that are friends of ours that promote us and we promote them. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts 
comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ray Fraley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... you'll love us that's right brand new episode every single monday you can find us on itunes and at decibelgeek.com and the best thing is it's rock and roll and it's always free have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on netflix of course you have there's too much garbage on netflix to sift through so join us on our podcast we watched it for you we watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability we Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Hey, 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 it's me, Bill Wang. Make sure you listen to the Dr. Fox Show Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And of course, the replay Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on ThatMetalStation.com. Bam! Hello, this is Lee Gerstman, and I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called ThatMetalStation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music heavy rock from when I was younger up until now. And he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love pumping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out. On Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on ThatMetalStation.com. All right. Well, if you enjoyed that Bill Wang-licious episode, and we know you did, come back next week when our special guest is one and only singer of S.O.D. and M.O.D. Billy Milano joins us. And I said, Billy, what do you want to talk about? And he said, the sophomore album from Poison. What? Open up and say, ah. Oh, man, this will be an interesting one. Whoo, that's going to be nothing but a good time. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs>